Before we begin our Torah study, let's pray together. Amen. Tonight I want to focus on hospitality and spirituality and the important connection between hospitality and the life of faith. And I think this is especially important for Messianic Jewish congregations, for us as individuals and for us as families. Uh, for our holiday celebrations as well, and for our ministries, for all the things we do in service. And I think this will be part of a series, maybe a two-part series. I want tonight to quickly survey hospitality from the entire Bible, and then I want to, next week, look at hospitality in connection with Passover, I'll make a brief mention of that tonight, but next week I want to focus on it more clearly. I want you to start by thinking about this. God is hospitable. Imagine that he created the whole world. How many of you actually think he did create the universe and our earth and this world and made it habitable intentionally creating a place for us to live. And then he creates us and he invites us to live with him in this earth. That's hospitality, wouldn't you say? That's a, that's a lot of effort to welcome people and to make them feel at home. And then there's another aspect. The Lord works with us. He promises to, through the prophets of Israel, and then he fulfills it in the new covenant, he promises that he wants to turn us into a house in which he can live. So he wants us to reciprocate by being hospitable. He wants us to make a house for him. Build for me a sanctuary, that's one part of it. But there's another part because he wants to take up residence inside of us. The most hospitable being in the universe or beyond the universe wants to personally come and live inside of us. It's a remarkable thing, he wants to live inside of you. The Holy Spirit wants to fill you up and he wants you and me to welcome him. So he wants us to be hospitable. Do you see the connection? He's hospitable. He wants us to be hospitable to him. And then Rabbi Yuri today, when he was sharing about Seodat HaMashiach, was reading from, um, from John chapter 14. And there's an aspect of hospitality there that you may not have taken note of. Let your heart not be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. Okay, now pay attention to this. I go to prepare a place for you. I'm going to prepare a place so that you can be with me. And I'm making it for you. It's going to be perfect for you. I will come again and I'll receive you to myself. Now, you know what that says to me? The Lord is utterly hospitable. Not only did he create this world, but he's creating the world to come. And then he says, I'm not just gonna summons you, I'm going to come for you, and I'm going to bring you 
to my house, this house I've made for you that includes houses for you, mansions for you, a place for you to live, and I'm going to prepare that place for you. He uses in many places the language of um, Jewish marriage to describe some of this. And he becomes then the husband. The scripture makes it clear. The Lord wants to be a husband to not only Israel, but to everyone who puts their trust in Messiah. And he then wants us to be a faithful bride, someone who is joined to him in, in loving adoration, service, and submission, and with great intimacy. So he becomes a husband, we become a bride for him. And he's saying, I'm preparing a, I'm preparing a home for you. And your own home, you're gonna have a great place. I'm gonna come for you and bring you there. That's part of his promise. And this is a reflection of his hospitality. His hospitality is, is so important to us. It's a foundational, um, a foundational concept that is often minimized or even ignored improperly. In fact, if you want to talk about sin, people like to talk about sin. If you want to talk about forgiveness, people like to talk about forgiveness. People like to talk about spiritual gifts. They like to talk about what's going to happen in the future. Isn't it true? But the Lord sometimes focuses on details and issues that have spiritual content and spiritual importance that we don't even recognize. We don't think about as being spiritual. We think about it in another way. Now, let's, let's look at Genesis chapter 18, verse 1. Something very simple. It sets the scene, and you can review for yourself the rest of the chapter. It says, The Lord appeared to Abraham by the oaks of Mamre in the heat of the day while he was sitting at the entrance to his tent. Interestingly, the Lord comes to, to Abraham. The Lord comes to Abraham. This is right after, maybe even the day after, um, Abraham was circumcised. And he's, he's resting, as you could imagine. He's resting, and he's sitting outside his own tent in the hot day, and that is the day the Lord decides to show up and appear to him and to visit him. And he comes with two angels in tow. They all look like men, but it's the Lord. How do we know it's the Lord? Well, it says so. It says the Lord appeared to him. And the Lord became visible to him and came to him. And then as we read the rest of the chapter, and you, you can do that on your own, make a note of it. I'm going to read Genesis 18 on my own and get familiar with it if I'm not already. Abraham responds by welcoming these guests and then preparing a really nice meal for them. He prepares this meal, and um, even though he's recuperating, he is paying attention to the needs and the well-being of those who have come to visit him. And he doesn't fully know who they are and what it's all about, but he's being hospitable. He, he goes and welcomes them. He, he feeds them. He makes them feel comfortable. He adjusts his schedule to accommodate them. And he shows kindnesses to them, even though they appear as strangers. And then there's this moment 
when the Lord sort of opens up everything and the Lord says to Abraham and to Sarah, this time next year, you will have your covenant son. He's coming. And so the Lord visits Abraham who shows the Lord hospitality. Abraham shows the Lord hospitality. And that is connected with Abraham receiving word about him having, he and Sarah having together a son. So there's hospitality involved there. Imagine if Abraham were like too busy. Or if he, if he thought, you know, it, it's uh, not manly to like think about serving others and doing food for them. That's women's work. These strangers come. He could have called his maidservants, take care of them. I'm busy and I don't feel good either. You do, you do it all. But that's not what he did. He took personal responsibility himself to greet, to welcome, to feed, to make comfortable those who came to visit him. And it turned out it was the Lord. What an amazing thing. Now a second, a second passage, I'm not going to have you turn to it, but it's about the first Passover. And the first Passover, if you think about this, um, it may help you get ready to celebrate Passover in your home, especially those of you who have never celebrated Passover in your home that you have led or invited other people to. I encourage you to do that so you can take the lesson seriously about the first Passover. The first Passover involved families and neighbors together, joining together and preparing a roasted lamb and a simple meal with bitter herbs and matzah. And it was necessary for people to open their homes one to another to eat together and then to do this in a way that was a spiritual response to what God had told them to do then they received a spiritual reward and blessing for this. And we've talked about it in times past, you know. Uh, I'm sure there were some people who would have said, well, I don't really like lamb. But, you know, on that night, it was lamb for everybody. And some people might say, well, I don't like anything spicy or bitter. I like sweet things. But on that night, everybody had bitter herbs. And there are probably some people who say, you know what I really like is a, is a really fluffy loaf of bread. But on that night, what was it? Matzah. Flat bread, unleavened bread. But ask yourself this. Could you participate in the Pesach and the blessing without opening your home to your neighbor and without being hospitable one to another. No, everyone was called to look around and to make sure that all of the house of Israel was included. And so some invited their next door neighbors and some neighbors came and joined them so that together they could eat a complete lamb. It's an important thing. And there is no Passover no original Passover without that kind of hospitality. Now, what about all the people who said, but I, I can't do this because I've never, I've never made a Seder? No one had. 
everyone who got the benefits of that first Passover was a novice. Do you agree? There were no experts. There was no Haggadah. There was no program already prepared for what people should do. People had to figure it out as they go. In fact, that is part of spiritual revival recorded in the scriptures. There are times when the Jewish people lose their way, and what brings them back is they rediscover Torah. They rediscover the scriptures. They start reading the scriptures, and there was even a moment when they had forgotten to celebrate Passover. They sort of let it go as something insignificant or unimportant. And they rediscovered the Torah, and they started reading about Passover and decided they had to keep it. Same thing with Sukkot and other, other examples. The revival of the Jewish people often comes by the recovery of the Word of God, reading it and trying to put it into action. So you may have to start this way. I'm going to read the Bible about Passover, and then I'm going to do what I learn. It could be interesting. Now, when Ethiopian Jews were doing Passover that way and they moved to Israel in mass, um, the, the Ashkenazi and the Sephardic rabbis told all of the Ethiopian Jews, no, you can't do Passover like the Bible anymore. You have to do it our way. It was a big uh, hoopla, uh, a big battle over it. As for me, I think we can still do it however we choose. And we can keep, uh, we can keep the Passover. Now another thing I want to, uh, to introduce to you is, is from, where is it from? I should have copied the right citation. I didn't. So you're going to have to discover because I'm not going to go looking for it. But it's the story of the Shunammite woman and Elisha. And so I'm going to read to you. One day Elisha went to Shunam, and a prominent woman who lived there persuaded him to have a meal. And so whenever he would pass by, he would stop there to eat. Do you see the hospitality at work? And then the woman said to her husband, Behold, now I know that the one who often comes our way is a holy man of God. Please, let's make a small room upstairs and put in it a bed, a table, a chair, and a lamp for him. And then when he comes to us, he can stay there. Isn't that interesting? She wanted to elevate her hospitality. And then one day, verse 11, Elisha came to visit and went to his upper room to lie down. And he said to Gehazi, his servant, call the Shunammite woman. And when he called her, she stood before him, and Elisha said to Gehazi, Now tell her, Look, you've gone to all this trouble for us. What can we do for you? Can we speak on your behalf to the king or the commander of the army? And she said, No, I have a home among my own people, she replied. And so he asked, Well, what should be done for her? Gehazi answers, She has no son." And her husband is old. So Elisha said, well, call her. So Gehazi called her, and she stood in the doorway, and Elisha declared, at this time next year, you will hold a son in your arms. 
<laughs> she said, no way, my Lord. Don't lie to your maidservant man of God. That was her response. I, man of God, don't lie to me like that. It couldn't be. And he said, no, it will be. But the woman did conceive. And at that time, the next year, she gave birth to a son just as Elisha had told her. Do you see that connection between hospitality and spiritual blessing and reward? This woman was so hospitable, she set up a special room for the prophet so that whenever he came, passing by, he had somewhere to stay and she was feeding him. Even though she was Shunammite, she was like a Jewish mother. Eat, eat, eat. And he was like a Jewish boy. No, no, no. Not more food. And she prevailed. But while they were together, the Lord put on Elisha's heart, I want to do something for that woman. And so together, they figured out what it was. And it was from the Lord. You see, the, the prophet had his idea, well, I could go and talk to someone on your behalf. She said, not necessary, I'm with my people, I'm okay. And then it's like he had a revelation from God, you're going to have a son this time next year. But it was really Gehazi, his servant, who had the understanding. She has no son, her husband's old. Wow. And can you imagine if you were Elisha and you weren't thinking about spiritual things and what God can do, and Gehazi tells you, she doesn't have a son. Her husband's old. You could think, um, what a pity. That's so sad. Well, let's just be nice to her. Let's be friendly to her. But he got something in his heart that was definitely from the Lord. Now let's move to another passage. It's Hebrews chapter 13, verse 2. It says, don't neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for by so doing, some people have entertained angels without knowing it. I mean, that could describe Abraham, right? He entertained angels and the Lord. But it's interesting, this connection. Show hospitality to strangers, because you never know who they are. Now let's go to another passage, Matthew 10, starting in verse 40. These are the words of Yeshua. It's very interesting. He who receives you receives me. And he who receives me receives the one who sent me. Whoever receives a prophet because he is a prophet will receive a prophet's reward. That sort of explains what happened for the Shunammite woman. And whoever receives a righteous man because he's a righteous man will receive a righteous man's reward. Now look at this, verse 42. It's so subtle and so small. If anyone gives even a cup of cold water to one of these little ones because he's my disciple, truly I tell you, he will never lose his reward. If you, because of your love for Yeshua and because you want to follow him, actually 
give a drink to a little kid, you're establishing security for yourself. Now, that's not my commentary, that's just Yeshua's words. It tells us how important hospitality is, being gracious, taking care of others, seeing to their needs, thinking about what they, um, what they need or what they lack, even the small things. Elsewhere, Yeshua said, when you brought me water, when you gave me water or drink, and the people say, but we don't remember ever doing that. He said, well, when you did it for the least of these, my brothers. You see, Yeshua attaches importance because he works this way. He he did something for Abraham. Think about it. He did something for all of Israel in, um, in slavery in Egypt. He, he did something for the Shunammite woman and, and many, many more examples. He does things through hospitality. Now, I, I, I know some things about this because when we were traveling overseas, when we lived overseas and often had to spend 200 some nights a year away from our home, many people showed us hospitality. Many people opened their homes. Many took care of us and would feed us. And when they would do that, we would always be praying for God's blessings on them. It was important for us, and it was an important time for them. And just recently, we were planning to do some work in updating uh, our bathrooms. And during a time of prayer, the Holy Spirit spoke to my wife and said, you have to reschedule it. And the reason is because you're going to have, and the Lord named three, uh, three rabbis and rabbitson. You're going to have the foremans. You're going to have Leslie Schneier. You're going to have uh, Alan and Diana Levine in your home, and they'll need the bathrooms in working order. They can't all be torn up. And so we rescheduled things, but we had no arrangements for any of them to come. But wouldn't you know it, each of them came. And they came, and we had them in our homes, and we fed them, and we took care of them, and we welcomed them. It was a time really of important connection in ministry. And wonderful things happened through that for us and for them. So I wouldn't trade it for the world. It's, 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 it's so important. I've got just a few more minutes, but I want to wrap up this survey. Hospitality often has unrecognized importance. An example, Isaiah 58, verse 7. Speaking to people who fast on Yom Kippur, but they miss the spiritual importance and meaning. And Isaiah has this word, is this fast not to share your bread with the hungry, to bring the poor and homeless into your home, to clothe the naked when you see him, and not to turn away from your own flesh and blood. You see, to be hospitable in that way is just so powerful. And then Matthew 25, verse 35, I I referenced this, um, but here's the actual statement Yeshua said. 
For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat, and I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you took me in. Powerful, powerful words. Romans 12, 13, share with the saints who are in need, practice hospitality. And then one last passage. It's in 1 Kings chapter 17, verse 9. I think this is, <laughs> this must have been from where I was, uh, I don't know. The prophet was told this, get up and go to Zarephath of Sidon and stay there. Behold, I've commanded a widow there to provide for you. Isn't that interesting? This was a poor widow who had almost nothing. But she was to provide for the prophet. And when the prophet came to her, do you remember what happened with the oil? She had so little. They were on the verge of total poverty and running out of all resources. And the prophet said, that's okay, with what little you have, make a cake for me, right? Cook me something. Because he knew the Lord was doing something. And after that, there was a miracle of provision that came. It made no sense at one level, but at the level of the way God thinks and operates, it made perfect sense. How he, he works in this way to provide. He chooses this one and that one to provide. It's an amazing thing. Well, if you want to do a little exercise for yourself, Take the Passover story and redact it. And mark through everything that has to do with food, everything that has to do with drink, everything that has to do with preparation, everything that has to do with connecting the food with history and the food with spiritual things. Mark through all of that and then see what's left for your Passover Seder. And you know what you'll find? There's nothing left. Everything is connected to hospitality. Now, I don't mean by that that hospitality is everything. What I mean is that this hospitality is like foundational because God is doing something through it that he chooses to do and that he won't do any other way. It's just fascinating to me. It's a side to Passover, and it's a side to the life of faith. You'll see it continue next week when we read about Yeshua's continuation about hospitality and Passover, and how he, um, he also builds upon hospitality. He also amplifies the importance and meaning of the hospitality and the spirituality. Now, I hope, I hope you'll take this to heart. And I hope that um, your Passover Seder, your Passover will be wonderful. Whether you're inviting people to be with you or you're going to them, I encourage you to celebrate Passover together in homes together. You can do it in a simple way. You can do it in a complex way. You can do it the short way. I've had to lead Passovers that had to be, from start to finish, the Seder could be no longer than 30 minutes because the little kids just couldn't go longer. 
I've had Passovers that went until 2 o'clock in the morning and started at 5 p.m. Yeah, they're all great. They all are wonderful. The main thing is to keep Passover with faith, and that requires hospitality. It's a marvelous thing, and I'm sure, I'm sure someone is going to say, yeah, but hospitality's not so spiritual. It is spiritual. That's the point. It is spiritual. There's a spiritual connection to hospitality that's utterly amazing. Don't miss it. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for being hospitable to us, welcoming us not only into this world, but into your house and your family. And we want to be people who reciprocate. We want to also welcome others. And we believe, Lord, that you do great and mighty things as we're hospitable. Give us opportunity to be hospitable and let us receive the great rewards associated with it. And use us to bless others through this hospitality. We pray this in the name of Yeshua. Amen. Amen. We're going to close with Aaron's blessing. Would you please rise? If you're standing by yourself, move just a little bit so that you're not. Yivarechecha Adonai v'yishmarecha. Ya'er Adonai panave lecha v'yichunecha. Yisa Adonai panave lecha v'yasemlecha shalom. The Lord bless you. The Lord keep watch over you and protect you. The Lord cause the light of his face to shine upon you. The Lord be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his face to you and give you his peace in the name of Yeshua, the Prince of Peace. Amen. Shabbat shalom.